Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school, but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi, a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Ladyboy Chi-Chi, and tonight's episode is on overcoming sexual trauma. And I have my guest tonight, which is Paul. And Hello. we'll be talking a little bit about some of the things you can do. But before we do, I want to kind of bring up what sexual traumas have you experienced? Well, I've I've experienced quite a few throughout the years. Um, I, I guess my sexual trauma really started um, with a friend that I used to have who was my best friend during a really difficult period in my life right after my parents divorce and he used to use sex to hold power over people in really 
really like hurtful and destructive ways. He did a lot of things that uh, were sexually traumatic to all of the people in my life. Uh, with me mostly, he used the fact that he knew that I was interested in him and and confused about my sexuality to hold power over me by not giving me sex while still enticing me. And, you know, like I said, I watched him do terrible things to, you know, several members of my family, my sister, my brother, my step sister and my mother I'm not going to go into the details of those things because I have the right to tell my story but I don't have the right to tell their story so that was you know my first and he would talk about a lot of things that he did or thoughts that he had he was very into the idea of rape and uh and sexual assault and he would talk about those themes quite a bit and it you know really screwed me up at a young age a number of people who i thought were friends but like they did sexual things to me without my consent Several of them would comment on how they really liked me because I didn't stop them when I didn't stop them just because I was scared and I didn't know what to do. Um, I had several older men touch me, molest me, constantly making comments about me and the things that they would do to me and the fact that I didn't react kind of reinforced that they could do those things to me. There were several of those people. A guy I used to interact with at the um, Renaissance Festival and then there were lots of like singular instances when I was a cast member of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then a few late years later, I started hitchhiking. Unfortunately, occasionally I would have men molest me while I was hitchhiking. They'd wait until they were driving too fast for me to like get out of the car, and they'd start touching me without my consent. And you know, they made really uncomfortable statements and like they could tell that I was uh uncomfortable because I would like back towards the door as much as they as I could and it'd start out you know lightly like them just like touching my knee or something but normally like eventually they'd grab my cock or the the, the worst time was I had met a guy while I was hitchhiking and he seemed nice enough and he asked me if I wanted to go to a bar and I went to a bar with him and I left my backpack in his trailer uh, and then while we were at the bar 
he like bought me a couple of drinks and then we went out to his car and then he refused to to leave until I gave him a hand job and he kept on trying to make me like say how much I was enjoying it and how good his dick was it felt really really disgusting and humiliating and like I knew the only reason I was doing it was to get my stuff back uh, and I told myself for a number of years that, you know, while these things were bad, they weren't as bad as things that other people had talked about with me, especially my female friends. Like, you know, part of me felt weird lingering on on these issues because people that I had known had had so much worse happen to them. And so that meant I didn't work on this for a very, very long time until I was, until I really started working with you and I was in my 30s. And I I had not realized the toll that all of this had taken on me. Yeah, it, you know, it's kind of weird how sometimes... People can be so manipulative. What are some of the things that helped you overcome it? Um, some of the things that helped me overcome it were through our work together and our meditations. We we talked about a lot of this stuff, and even though I had talked about it with other people, it was always. Uh, like in a in a different sense with you we were actively working on these issues and i knew that i was working on these issues and like the first step is like using intention to say like okay these are things that have happened to me and i am actively working on like fixing what this has done in me and then because I was already, like, using, like, I was already in that headspace when I thought about it. I thought about the effects that these things had had in my life. And through our conversations, like, you know, that was one of the real reasons that, I had a hard time, like, coming to terms with my attraction to men. There were a lot of kinds of people that I was avoiding because they reminded me of my abusers through realizing I didn't have to fear them, through, like, taking my power back because we have power over these things, these things to a degree hurt us because we allow them to hurt us and like through actively taking that power back you know I was able to interact with you know the kinds of people that I had avoided for so long and see that you know they weren't bad you know just because they shared a trait or two in common with the people who had abused me um and then 
we, as you know, we did, um, you know, a number of sessions that, um, like, I, I really liked how you put it, you know, we went through punishment scenes, but you weren't punishing me for what had happened to me. You had punished me for the things I was holding back on because of those traumas. And it helped me to work through those traumas to the point where I can accept it a lot more and just internalize what happened to me, but also that that wasn't the end point. That was just the beginning. Yeah. And I think part of the process that we went through was empowering the inner child Mm -hmm. through the process, realizing that you do have control over these situations now. You do have a voice. And empowering that little child. (laughs) Yeah, because that's what was taken away from me through those interactions. I lost touch with that child. Yeah, and that can be very difficult. Uh, I know I went through my own personal experiences with not just, well, mostly physical abuse and emotional abuse. And when you become get into that victim headspace, <laughs> it attracts more. Mm-hmm. And it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy from one bad experience to another. Yes. And so I think part of the process is to break that cycle and empower the inner child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's one of the things I find that BDSM can be so powerful with mm-hmm. is to help break those processes. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't do this in isolation I went through some counseling Mm -hmm. and I think that's very important part of the process you don't want to just rely on BDSM role-playing scenes yeah (laughs) but by opening the door to working with that scared defenseless Mm -hmm. inner child from our past Mm -hmm. we can empower it yeah and, and you know one of the things that um you know you brought up you you didn't do this in in isolation you did it like with therapy i think that's one of the things that makes you a very good dom is that you, your background in social work mm-hmm. you you know you have a therap you you have a, a, a like the mentality of a therapist and like the whole time we've been working together that's been a a real strong focus of the work that we do. It's not just to get our rocks off. It's to really work on like the deep core issues. Yeah. And I think part of the process of doing a BDSM role playing scene is to really get in touch with that inner child mm-hmm. and and really kind of start building a whole new trust 
with another person. And part of it, I think, is that in our culture, we rarely have someone we can talk to about these things. Yeah. I think it's important to find a counselor or a therapist Mm -hmm. that can work with you on this. Yeah, for sure, 100%. And one thing I'd like to to point out to anyone that's listening tonight who might um, not have the best finances, I just discovered a, a place in my own city, but I'm sure there's places like all around if you really look into it there is like affordable mental health care out there and I for years and years and years and years I you know always just told myself that you know that's too expensive that you know I can't afford it you know but it is absolutely invaluable oh yes and you know, check out any GLBT community center. They can point you in the right direction to get plugged into the yeah resources <laughs> that are available. And tonight's topic is kind of a hard topic for a lot of people. It's disturbing, I mean, but especially for a lot of women who have been raped or... Mm-hmm manipulated into having sex against their will. Yeah. And I've seen that happen. Oh, yeah, for sure. At many events. Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the things around sexual trauma is I, I think, you know, just like in me, I didn't realize how many of these things, like how, how much they had affected me. I think that a lot of people think of like rape and sexual assault as you know the guy in the alley with the knife that forces you to have sex and that's what rape is but there's so many different kinds of rape and I think that uh, and and sexual assault that you know it's it's subtle you might not even realize that it's happened to you or that it it's affecting you as badly as it is. And there's things like date rape and mm-hmm. just being manipulated. Oh, and, yeah. And being pressured. And, mm-hmm. and I think those are things that kind of, in our culture, tend to be approved in a weird mm-hmm. sort of way. Yeah. Whereas, you know, boys will be boys. Yeah. Of course, also, sometimes women can be the... Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's a, under a different guise. Mm-hmm. Uh, often it's more of a uh, being seductive and being... Mm-hmm. <laughs> pushing someone into having sex even though yeah. they don't want to. Yeah, definitely. And I've experienced that before from a woman. Mm-hmm. And that can be... Oh, yeah. Even more disturbing because you think, oh, you know, I must have wanted it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it can really kind of screw with your head a bit. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's it's important that we talk about this tonight, even though it is, is difficult. Because the problem with this is that no one 
is talking about it. People are talking about it a little bit more now than they used to, but it's still really, really hard. You know, p partially one of the reasons these abusers continue to get away with doing what they're doing is they know that it's very difficult for people to speak out against this sort of thing, particularly when the lines are blurred and it's hard like for an outside observer to even call what happened to you abuse. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you found most helpful? Um, so like, like I said, the, the, the role play that we've done and the, and the scenes that we have done around this have done a lot for me, but also what one of the, the exercises that you have me do uh, every day is to, to do meditation on different topics and like especially when we were really going through a lot of these traumas like a lot of those meditations were on these things but they folk they they centered around me not dwelling on what had happened but taking power over it and like realizing like just because that hurt me it didn't break me it didn't make me a broken person and that I'm okay and that's mm -hmm. that's very difficult to do it's it's yeah. not a thing that you do overnight but if you continue to work on it for days months years however long you need to you know there's light at the end of the tunnel Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know for me, I think one of the biggest things that helped me with it all was having someone that I could talk to, a mm -hmm. trusted friend or a, mm -hmm. or even in counseling. Yeah. Having someone, you know, I didn't have to carry it alone anymore. Yeah. And that took a big load. Yeah, I mean, that, that was very that is key. And it's very healing. I mean, mm -hmm. when we keep deep, dark secrets mm -hmm. in shame mm -hmm. <laughs> and feel this kind of like, it makes it feel more mm -hmm. a, of an icky feeling. <laughs> yeah. And it also t tends to reinforce, oh, I'm a bad person mm -hmm. when... You know, one of the things I think I realized for myself through the process was that I didn't bring this on. Mm -hmm. It was something done to me. Yeah. And that I was the victim in this. Mm -hmm. And learning to overcome that and re-empower the inner child and say, okay, it happened. It's something that never has to happen again now. Yeah. It, one of the things when you have a confidant, a person that you can talk to, that happens a lot of the time is, you know, you kind of feel alone in your trauma, 
But when you start opening up about it to people that you really trust, and it, you know, it does take someone that you really trust. It can't be, you know, some random stranger on the street. It has to be someone that you can really be vulnerable with. But when you do that, um, a lot of times you find out that that person also has some experience with it. And, you know, if you're like me and you've talked with several people about these traumas, you find out that, unfortunately, a good percentage of the people out there have gone through these things. Yeah. And one thing I would like to step in and say is that you don't want to just open up to someone without a structure. Mm -hmm. And one of the structures that's important to put in place is a structure of agreed upon confidentiality. Mm -hmm. That both parties agree that everything we talk about in this around this subject is to remain totally confidential. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. That's very important. Because you don't want to open up to someone that's going to be a gossip <laughs> mm -hmm. and talk and because that can be pretty disturbing in a different type of, of abuse. I mean, mm -hmm. that's getting more into the emotional abuse. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the things, exercises that I've had you do that really stood out for you and not just around the abuse, but helping you develop more fully as a sexual person. Oh, well, um, a lot of those that you've had me do, um, you know, there is like, uh, like a lot of people have a lot of shame around their body. And you've had me do a lot of exercises around, um, body image healing that have been really helpful and you know that's one of the things that does kind of tie into the abuse because like when you go through abuse a lot of times it just makes you feel like gross and disgusting and um you know and, and it it uh you know, it, it 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 makes you not comfortable in your sexual body. Um, another one that has been really helpful for me, a lot of the exercises that you've filled up my, like, sexual skill and prowess and, uh, you know, like, learning how my body works and things like that. And, like, once you overcome the, like icky gross feelings around your body and like reclaiming your sexuality like that really empowers you to not let your abusers steal that from you and I think that that has been like hugely um, important to me overcoming a lot of the things that I've overcome um and also like you know it wasn't an exercise per se but um well I guess it was like you know like talking about fantasies and and things like that 
that uh, really, like I said, like reconnect you to like your sexuality uh, and like owning it, like that really helps immensely to overcome this stuff. I would like to take a break for a few moments and share my vision with you. How would you like to assist me in developing a sex-positive world and teach people how to live a sex-positive lifestyle that is free of sexual shame and guilt? To teach people how to reach new levels of sexual pleasures that they never imagined were possible and to form a genital heart connection and discover the sacredness of sex. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through sexual education here on Adult Bedtime Stories and also through Raven Slayer. By presenting sex education each week, more and more people can learn about sexuality. I am an author a podcast producer, and a performance artist. I'm an artist that is into erotic art and the art of creative sexual expression. I utilize a variety of different media to create my art, which includes sculpting, video, audio, photography, performance art, and writing. In December 2017, I started this podcast. The show focuses on everything sexual and provides information on how to experience greater sexual pleasure for both the listener and their partners. Yet there are expenses for the show as well as for my company, Raven Slayer. So far, I've covered these costs, but there are some future goals that I cannot cover at this time. So I've started a Patreon page to help finance adult bedtime stories, Raven Slayer, and some of the sexual education video training programs that I want to create, and to purchase video equipment and editing software. Patreon is a system that is based on the old system for fans to support artists. A patron gives monthly amount for the content that I develop. As a reward, I set up different reward systems, depending on the monthly tier you choose to contribute. Each reward system provides you with the opportunity to become a part of the artistic process, be recognized as a supporter, or provide you with the exclusive behind-the-scenes materials, depending on which tier you choose. The three goals I need support for are as follows. Video camera equipment and video editing software to produce quality sexual education training programs. So far, I've done fairly well on my own with low-cost equipment, but I would like to improve the quality of the training films. I also need ongoing support to cover production costs for adult bedtime stories. And I have an opportunity to become certified as a clinical sexologist. So one of my goals on Patreon 
is to have my tuition costs covered for the training program. Sign up now and become a patron of Adult Bedtime Stories in Ravenslayer. Together we can create a sex-positive world and provide the education for people to live as enriched sex-positive lifestyle. I have a link to Patreon at ravenslayerleather.com. If you enjoy adult bedtime stories, then please consider supporting the show. For as little as $1 per month, you can become a patron of the show. And now we return to our topic tonight. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that happens in abuse or or misuse and manipulation is that it turns a part of itself sexually. Mm -hmm. And I think part of the healing process for me was to be able to go in and start the healing of my own body image and mm-hmm. see myself as a beautiful, sexy creature. Yeah. Uh, today I have such gratitude mm-hmm. that I have a sexual body that works mm-hmm. so deliciously well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. And I think that's part of the healing process is to reclaim our freedom of sexual expression. Mm-hmm. And realize that we can be sexually expressive, even in spite of some of the bad things that happen to us. Mm-hmm. And by reclaiming that, it is very healing and empowering. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things I'd kind of like to get into, uh, because you know, I know it's like one of the things that people who uh, experience trauma like have to deal with a lot and was immensely important for my my road to like reclaiming my sexuality is that there are when abuse happens there's a lot of confusing emotions like you know that it's wrong but you don't always hate 100% all of it it might even turn you on and you know and that's really really confusing and hard to wrap your mind around and it's something that you have to learn to accept and that doesn't make the abuse okay it doesn't make it okay for those people to do what they did to you but recognize that you know, when you get turned on during during a, an event of sexual abuse, sexual trauma, that that is like a like natural biological function that they are tapping into, that they are using, that they know that they are using and manipulating. And it doesn't make you bad or wrong for, you know having some of those turned on feelings surrounding your abuse oh yeah definitely and you know it's also brings up a little bit about fantasy and often people feel like oh i shouldn't fantasize about this Mm -hmm. or 
sexual act or you know i know a lot of people have rape fantasies yeah and a lot of people often will feel guilty for having those and yeah, feel and like oh this is bad well fantasy in itself is neither good nor bad mm-hmm. it's what you act on mm-hmm. and that's one of the powers of bdsm role-playing oh yeah when you have informed consent with the play partner Mm-hmm. to role play some of these more darker side of our sexuality mm-hmm. it can be very empowering yeah. and very healing too yeah. and but what makes it wrong is when you act on it bottle it up and then act on it in inappropriate ways <laughs> exactly exactly and so I think part of the healing process is to be able to reach catharsis and overcome this kind of darker side, embrace it in mm-hmm. a way that celebrates it and acknowledges it, but within a safe, protected, consensual environment. Yeah. You know, like having safe words that you can use when like things start to not feel right it like a lot of people who have rape fantasies like one of the things that they really enjoy about it is they're taking something that was brutal and hard and like really bad for them and they that where they had no control over the situation whatsoever to suddenly, even though it doesn't look like it from, if you were to see it from an outside perspective, you have all of the control. You are in the driver's seat of what is happening to you. And that is one of the things that people find really empowering about rape fantasies. Mm-hmm. We often will associate a value to emotions and to fantasies. Mm-hmm. We think, oh, rape is bad. Mm-hmm. Anger is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, it's not the feeling of anger that's bad. Uh-huh. It's when... You you act on that anger in inappropriate ways, and mm-hmm. that's what makes it good or bad. Yeah. But the feeling itself is neither good nor bad. Mm-hmm. Feelings are feelings, and fantasies are fantasies. Yeah. And some of them can be really <laughs> hot and amazing. <laughs> and I say this because we live in a culture that is so judgmental. Mm-hmm. Especially on, you know, you, you have, uh, that's a, such a sick fantasy you have, or th- th- that's mm-hmm. so bad that you'd even conceive something like that. Yeah. And no, it isn't. It's yeah. a fantasy. It's mm-hmm. it's in the mind. It's not something you're acting on. Yeah, definitely. So I I, I kind of wanted to make that distinction because oh, yeah, often sure. a lot of people will... Th- I went through my own mm-hmm. period very young thinking, oh, I, I've got to be just horrible 
a horrible person for having these kind of thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that society put you through that because it's society that puts you through that. You know, it's not yeah. innate. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, one of the things I've noticed is that children, young children, until they're kind of socially conditioned not to, explore their, se- their sexuality in many wonderful ways. And it's not until social conditioning kicks in and the adults and the authority figures in their lives step in and say, oh, you mustn't do that. That's bad. That's sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we get these mixed messages. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, sexuality is... Our bodies are designed for sex. Oh, yeah, definitely. And not only are they designed for it, but it's a very strong drive in all of us. Like, um, you look at the the societies that are the most uh, sexually repressive, you know, where you can't get porn, where, you know, it's very, like, you can't talk about sex. And you see, like, a a spike in the number of rapes and sexual assaults. And, you know, and it's really terrible. Like, when you try to, like, stuff all of that stuff inside of a box, it explodes. And, like, that's where a lot of, like, really negative things come from. And I, I think that the sexual repression that we have you know even in you know the US where we are right now you know in some ways it seems like a sexually liberal place but it it's not and I think that if it were more we wouldn't see as many incidents of people acting out in negative harmful ways sexually if that wasn't in place. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some other dynamics at work. I mean, for instance, men are socialized to be the pursuers of sex. And all of us are kind of exposed to enticements through multimedia mm-hmm. to have sex. And then we're told we can't do it, <laughs> except under very prescribed conditions and Mm -hmm. circumstances and that you know here you are I guess the best way I can kind of illustrate it is you've just charged up the batteries (laughs) to full charge and then you're saying okay you have to hold it (laughs) Mm -hmm. you can't can't use any of this (laughs) you can't release any of it and so it bottles up and bottles up and Eventually, it's got to come out somewhere. And one of the things about building consent and living a more sex-positive lifestyle, it gives you more appropriate avenues Mm -hmm. to bring out a freer form of sexuality that is consensual and that's Mm -hmm. informed consent, not just, oh, is this okay? You learn, we learn how to talk and negotiate mm-hmm. and educate each other fully on what's 
going on yeah. before we agree to jump into doing something. Yeah. And so I think informed consent is really important. It is. It is the most important thing, you know, as far as pursuing sex with another person goes, in my opinion. And I have to say this, too. I think what else happens is that it's not something you get once. Mm -hmm. It's a process. It's something you have to keep Oh yeah. obtaining that informed consent. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where the gray areas come in and why you have things like date rape because mm -hmm. one party thinks, okay, this person said yes. Yeah, but, you know... Just just because they said yes after they said no 45 times and felt like they couldn't say no again, that, you know, that doesn't make that yes okay, but... Well, not that just that situation, but, for instance, on Friday night, both parties were gung-ho and yes, mm -hmm. full consent, informed consent. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, it's like, yeah, that was that it's one time. It's taken as, oh, the green light's on. Mm -hmm. Now you still need to get consent again. Yeah, yeah. And it sure. doesn't have to be formal consent. Mm -hmm. But just knowing that if someone says, well, I'm not in the mood tonight or this doesn't mm -hmm. work for me tonight, yeah. take that as a no. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. And no in that situation isn't absolute. Mm -hmm. It's just no right now. They yeah. might be open mm -hmm. in, in a couple of nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, days. and, you know, also, like, one of the things I wish more people understood is, you know, if if more people were better at doing that every single time, I think that y you would find a lot more times where you had, like, a yes on one night, a week later it was a no, but then, like, two days later it was a yes, or, you know, maybe not. Maybe it was just that one time, and that was a great moment that y'all shared. Uh, but, like, I think if more, like, specifically if more guys were comfortable, like, navigating that, I think there would be more overall yeses for women. Oh, yes, definitely. And part of the, the social conditioning that I see is that women are socially conditioned to be the gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. And kind of in a way, socially conditioned to say no, even sometimes when they want to say yes, mm -hmm. or vice versa. And I've run into this situation where women feel are also socially conditioned to pleasure a man. Yeah. And depending on their conditioning. Yeah. It varies from person to person, mm -hmm. but I've had women tell me, Oh, I can't really say no to this man or any man. Mm -hmm. And like another thing that happens a lot of the times you, you you were saying that like sometimes women are conditioned to to say yes um to everyone sometimes like women are also conditioned to say like 
I can't say no to this person. Either they powerful in like a way that, you know, either they have lots of money or if I sleep with this person, it could be good for my career or, or something like that. And that's a that's a different form of pressure that's not OK. Oh, yeah. And one of the things I would like to say on all of this is that even if you don't think there's resources, there are, and there's any major city is going to have a crisis hotline. Yes. And so you can call them and get lots of resources, even if the, your city's not big enough to have a GLBT community center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that you have, like, an intimate awareness of that from your background in social work. Uh, well, I did work for the, I didn't work, but I did some volunteer work for the uh, Gay and Lesbian Switchboard in, here in Houston. And it was a re- kind of like a crisis hotline for the GLBT community because mm-hmm. <laughs> they had more information about specific issues that would come up for gays, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgender. Mm-hmm. And so they could kind of get you into the right resources. Mm -hmm. But even if that doesn't exist in your city, there is a crisis hotline, and they are becoming more familiar with the whole GLBT resources that are out there. Yeah, and even if you are in an outlying place, you can still look up the, the... crisis center for the closest you know heavily populated area near you and you know call them and find resources through them and sometimes just talking to someone anonymously on the phone Mm -hmm. (laughs) and saying this happened to me i'm carrying all this on my own and having someone just to talk to you Mm-hmm. can be such a big help you don't have you can break the isolation yeah and break the the silence yeah and it it's you know validation like a, you know, especially in those cases when you you know you're you're confused as, as to um like whether what happened to you was assault or not you can feel like your feelings aren't valid but like talking to another person they can help you validate those feelings and that's so important oh yes and empowering to the inner child because Mm -hmm. having someone hear you having your voice heard can be so amazing i remember when i first came out as bisexual (laughs) and intersex and how empowering it was to just be able to say, this is who and what I am. And being able to share some of these things that for a long time I kept these secrets. And secrets can be a heavy burden. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're kind of like, oh, it's something I'm having to carry on my own. I'm... I'm so totally different from everybody else. It's alienating. Mm-hmm. 
And by sharing it with somebody and talking with somebody, it can, for me, what it did was it, I realized, okay, I'm not all that different. I'm mm-hmm. not some kind of alien monster. <laughs> I'm a human being that has a very powerful sex drive and loves sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. But only when it's done appropriately. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you would like to add before we bring the show to a conclusion? Um, I I think the the last point I would like to make is um, like power structures. Like one of the things that makes this abuse prevalent in all societies is when one person like that you see as any form of authority figure does something to you, makes advances, you feel pressured, you feel like you don't have the 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 chance to say no. And this could be anything. It could be a family situation that happens a lot. If you your boss or someone who might like provide like employment to you like comes onto you and you feel like you don't say don't have it the right to say no or that it's not advantageous to say no or they force themselves on you um that can lead to a whole different set of um feelings and problems and a lot of these people are so powerful you really don't feel like you can speak out about it today there's you know a movement going on where people are calling out people that are in power that used to be untouchable in a lot of ways and it's making real change in the world so even if you feel that you can't say no, it's important to still talk with people and share that story. Um, you might have to insulate yourself. I don't blame anyone for being afraid because it is a scary thing to do. But there is a lot of change being done in the world calling out people in places of power and you you know you may not feel like you have the strength to do it but you're not alone and generally with abusers you're not the only person and when you speak up it allows other people to speak up mm-hmm. and then I think that oftentimes there is a process to this. And by first sharing, like with a crisis counselor, that can help open the door to sharing with other people yes. down the road and help you overcome some of the fears surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts before we bring the show to a close? I 
just want to let anyone know who is feeling scared and hurt out there that you might feel like you are broken, that you are beyond help, but that is not true. You are, are a beautiful, wonderful person, and no one can rob you of your power. You are powerful and amazing and wonderful and worthy of love. Ah, very good. <laughs> and I'd like to add one thing to all that, is that oftentimes going through a trauma, it feels like it's such a bad thing and that how can I ever overcome this? And I've looked back on my life and seen some of the things I've gone through and endured. And it's not just with sexuality. I was ADHD and dyslexic in our school system back in the day when they didn't really understand ADHD and dyslexia. And I went through a lot of abuse from the school system. And that can be a very traumatic experience. And looking back on it, I realized today that by going through that experience, it's given me strength and incredible insights, not only into my situation, but to other people. And it's helped me become a much more amazing person to be able to open doors for others and to be kind of a beacon in the world, a beacon of hope and love and this sense of acceptance and joy. <laughs> I don't know how to put it exactly into words, what I'm trying to say, but I know that by Having gone through some of the experiences I've gone through, I've been able to realize that, okay, the world is kind of a weird place at times, <laughs> and it, it's okay, and I've gained a whole new acceptance and kind of perspective of these are good things if it's how we do them, not what we do sometimes and by doing it with full consent and informed consent by and not just the sex but many other things that we get involved in it's checking out with people is this something you're into if so finding that match and being able to kind of bring a whole new perspective of we want to get together and do fun things but I would never want to do something that I enjoy at the expense of another mm -hmm. and I think that for me is the whole bottom line of informed consent it's finding the people that are kind of kindred spirits in different areas 
And I've been in, in many different alternative communities, everything from the radical fairies to pagan groups to bisexual groups to, uh, oh, even, oh, GLBT groups and Burning Man events and finding the right environment where you can meet kindred spirits and gain that informed consent is a big step to finding a way to have your outlets because sexual needs are what it implies they're needs Mm-hmm. We do need to have sex. We're wired for it. We're built for it. Mm-hmm. To deny it is just to light the fuse on a explosive situation. And so finding the proper avenues where you can have that freedom of sexual expression in good, healthy ways. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think that brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Adult Bedtime Stories. Have a good night and enjoy those nocturnal emissions. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world. Con la frente arrugada de preocupación, el Padreus Protectorus siempre anda encima de sus hijos. Cuidado por donde manejas. Y evita la carretera que hay tráfico. ¿Saliste hace 20 minutos y no sé de ti? Pero el Padreus va evolucionando. Como State Farm está ahí las 24 horas, ahora están más tranquilos. Mijo, nos vamos solos a Tulum. 
Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Llama para obtener una cotización hoy. 